Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. 11 a.m. on a Saturday morning. Better late than never. I do apologize. Late start to the program. Uh, some minor technical issues uh, which have been resolved uh, without any fuss. Uh, so we appreciate your patience. So welcome aboard the show. We've got a busy old one. Uh, we'll try and cram everything we normally would do over three hours into two. Actually, make that one and a half because we've got cricket coming your way. Uh, our coverage of the third T20 international between New Zealand and uh, Pakistan, the women's series uh, from Queenstown. Uh, our coverage starts at 12.30, first ball at 1 o'clock. Join myself and Anna Corbin for coverage of that one. Right now, though, uh, before we talk some uh, domestic basketball, let's give you the latest in sports headlines at the top of the hour. Um, also coming up this hour, I should say, Grant Elliott out of Bangladesh. Guy Havelt to talk John Rahm uh, and Simon Hill to talk the A-League. So a lot to get through. So let's not waste any time. And Lou Vincent, uh, the former Black Cap, uh, can return to cricket activities at the domestic level and below immediately after the English and Welsh Cricket Board have um, overturned, released him from a lifetime ban from cricket, which dates back to 2014. Vincent breached the ECB's anti-corruption rules in 2014 and was banned from all cricket for life. Uh, Vincent says, I made a terrible mistake many years ago, which I deeply regret for the rest of my life, and I remain very sorry for the harm I caused. He said in a statement released by New Zealand Cricket, uh, being able to return to the cricket environment means the world to me, and I feel very fortunate to again have that opportunity. Staying with cricket, the Black Caps trail Bangladesh by 30 runs at the end of day three of the second cricket test. Uh, the Black Caps can thank all-rounder Glenn Phillips for his brilliant batting display in a delayed, riddled first innings, scoring a much-needed 87 of just 72 balls. He helped the Black Caps through to 180 and a lead of eight runs on the first innings. Bangladesh with 38 for the loss of two when bad light ended play early on day number Three. The game is so well advanced, so despite the lost time, a result seems likely. But that Glenn Phillips innings, uh, that, that's one of the better ones you will see. Um, someone not reaching 100. Uh, it's probably well worth more than that when you look at the context of the game. Hey, Rory McIlroy has performed a U-turn, U-turn over his stance on live golfers playing in the Ryder Cup following John Rahm's huge decision to join the Saudi-funded tour. The Northern Irishman has said earlier this year that live players should not play for Europe against the United States. However, after Rahm's announcement, uh, McRoy has had a change of uh, heart and said it, and was adamant that the Spaniard plays at Beth Page in New York in 2025. Uh, and in a reply to BBC sports journalists questioning his change of heart on Twitter, McRoy said, we need John. Okay. And the Illawarra Hawks snapped the Perth Wildcats six-game winning streak with a dominant 100-82 victory in the Aussie NBL. The uh, Hawks took a commanding 38-18 lead at the end of the first quarter leading, leaving the Wildcats behind for the rest of the game. Round 10 of the NBL continues tonight as our very own New Zealand Breakers take on the Tasmania Jack Jumpers at 7.30 tonight at Spark Arena. Those are the latest in sports headlines. Let's uh, welcome in Justin Nelson as we continue to the basketballing theme. Of course, a familiar voice to the station. It's been all action um, in our domestic scene with a lot of sightings, but 
Mate, being the basketball nerd that you are, you're obviously keeping up with the AMBL as well. Breakers only four wins to date. Do they get number five later today? Yeah, very good morning. I hope so. I think uh, I think all Breakers fans and basketball fans hope so. They need to string those wins together, of course. They've got 16 games remaining in the uh, regular season. And if you look back on last season's ladder and uh, what you needed to do to get through to the playoffs, they probably need to win 11 of them. So tonight would be a good start. Injuries haven't helped their cause. Is that the only issue, though? Oh, I think consistency is an issue as well. I mean, injuries uh, occur. We know that happens to most teams at some stage. Mind you, it's taken down two very good players for the breakers in uh, Will McDowell-White and and, and Zolan Cheatham. So hopefully they can get those two back on court shortly. But consistency would be one that I'm sure Coach Murray Mayor is uh, is pleading with his team to find. Yeah, but the Hawks beating the Wildcats, that that was unexpected. The Hawks are near the foot, are they not? Well, not anymore. Yeah, not anymore. A bit of a surprise. (laughs) Of course, they had that coaching change uh, a few weeks ago turned out in their first game and took down the Breakers uh, and have uh, continued to go on their winning ways. To get that win against the Wildcats, though, was completely unexpected given the, the run of form of Perth of late. Uh, great win, and uh, certainly the Hawks are a team that every other team will now be looking over their shoulder. All right, let's look at our own uh, game, uh, our own uh, scene, shall I say, the sales NBL off-season. Uh, you've got a new trade window, Rapid League and the men's group. A lot happening. Tell me about the trade window, the thinking behind it, and how does it all work? Well, I think the, the thinking behind it is to continue to innovate and, and add an element that the fans want to uh, engage with and hopefully be entertained by to you know provide relevancy and a talking point midway through the season for the media to get behind as well. Uh, it is the first of its kind in New Zealand sport, and you know we've seen that from basketball and, and the Souls NBL and so Ihi over the last few years, just that rise in innovation and trying to do things differently for the fans. Uh, it's a 66-hour window. It starts at the completion of Round 7 and finishes before Round 8 starts uh, next year. And essentially, uh, players can be traded. They need to agree to the trade, of course. But the real kicker on this, very unique twist, and I like it as an innovation, is that if you trade a player in, so any team that trades a player in during that 66-hour window, they will get a 6.5% rise in their salary cap. So real incentive for the teams and the GMs and the coaches to go out there and work their backsides off in that 66-hour window to try and trade a player into their team. I'm a bit thick. Help me out. So if I'm trading away someone, what do I theoretically get back? A player back? No. Another no, incentive? Nothing. No. I nothing. get nothing. You trade a player. No, you get nothing. The incentive there is to <laughs> trade a player in. So uh, I think what you'll find will happen is that we'll see every team trying to play uh, trade a player in and probably, therefore, perhaps trading a player out. So it's going to be very active. Mm, interesting, fascinating. Hey, we're a few weeks into uh, the off-season as far as signings. What are the headline scenarios so far? Yeah, there's a few. I mean, Rob Lowe and, and Cam Glidden both going back to the Auckland uh, Tuatata obviously just keeps them really strong. Two-time runners-up, uh, back-to-back over the last couple of years. Rob Lowe, MVP, could easily, in fact, was 
just a couple of weeks ago still running around in the Aussie NBL. Uh, he's a star, and I think we're going to see him be a feature of the Sellers NBL for a number of years now for the Tour Tata. Uh, Hiram Harris is the big news. The Hawks have come out and, and uh, announced that he won't be going back to Hawks Bay. Uh, it's a massive loss for them. We know that Ethan Rusbatch and Darone Urakawa also on the move from the Hawks. So they're definitely going to be a very new-look team come season 2024. And then probably the big one, yet to be confirmed publicly, but... 4-2 on the move, believed to be going to the Nelson Giants. The other big player so far, uh, definitely the Taranaki Airs. They have been very active. New ownership group, of course, owned by Media 8 out of uh, Australia. Uh, they have been uh, moving quickly. Sam McKinnon is their new coach, and they've uh, got Tobias Cameron coming back, Carlin Davison coming back, but the big signing was uh, Tobias's older brother, Flynn Cameron. He comes into that team as well. They have been active. Indeed. Uh, interesting. Very fast. you got a new team coming into the league too. Yeah, 11th team coming into the Sells uh, NBL. Uh, certainly continues to grow this competition. The Phi, based out of Toronga, come in. Really looking forward to that. Of course, they've been playing in the Toihi uh, competition, the Pro Women's League, since its inception in 2022. So now they add a men's team, uh, which is exciting. And, of course, that 12th uh, licence to the Sales NBL uh, has been provisionally handed out to Queenstown, a franchise in Queenstown. That is still the hope in, uh, in the next couple of years. They are just waiting for a stadium upgrade down there. Once that is done and ticked off, we'll have a team in Queenstown as well. Oh, fantastic. Hey, the Rapid League in the Tauihi, how did you judge it as far as its success? And was it that sort of, dummy run's not the right term, but I think you know what I'm trying to say, why are you bringing it into the sales too? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, rolling it out in Tauihi was a a great place to start. It ticks a lot of boxes. Um, Great addition for television. The cameras are already there. The infrastructure's already set up. The court's already set up. The away team has already travelled, of course, so incredibly low cost, if any, to add more basketball. The fans were getting to games earlier. We noticed that through Toihi, which is really exciting. And then probably the big one is just the added opportunity for players to develop. We now have a situation where every player that is suiting up on game night is now getting on the court and playing some serious minutes. And we saw some young stars emerge as a result of that. Uh, and then obviously we now build it into the uh, the NBL. It's going to be here in 2024. It's an extra 110 games of action for fans in stadiums and viewers on TV through Sky, of course. And uh, we're going to see a lot of young rising stars, young rising Kiwis uh, make their name and stake their claim in the Sells NBL next season. It's pretty exciting. You, you know some people can be adverse to change. Are all the clubs on board and they, and they see the benefits to this? I think there's people adverse to change in every part of life, not just sport. (laughs) Uh, I mean, those that know me well know that I uh, sit well and truly in the camp of innovation. I like it. I want to see it more in all sports. And uh, the first part of that is uh, not trying to get past those that are adverse to change, but just understanding that there's always those there who uh, aren't as willing to try things that are new. Uh, The teams are on board. Uh, Certainly there'll be one or two... um, historically connected people within the game that may not like the change, but 
you know, the big thing is the fans want change. We've seen it, of course, in the NBA with the in-season tournament. How big has that been yep. for a new innovation? Huge stuff. And just another example that uh, the fans of today are very, very different to the fans of yesterday. They want things differently. They consume differently. And the Rapid League is definitely built around that. Every team's involved. Every team's behind it. and We can't wait for it to start. You're a good man, Justin, as always. Appreciate your time. Go enjoy your weekend. Thanks for, very much. Have a good one. I will do. Thank you very much. We will take a break. 12 minutes after 11 o'clock. Coming up after the short interval, it will be our Swinging Both Ways, our cricketing segment with Brazine. We will hear from Glenn Phillips. We will hear from a guy called Grant Elliott as well. We'll look at the Black Caps Bangladesh Test Match. Stay with us. The Saturday Session Cricket Update. Thanks to Razine for expert paint and colour advice. Yes, indeed, it is time for our cricketing updates. Lovingly, affectionately known as Swinging Both Ways with Razine. Razine for expert paint and colour advice. Uh, on this episode, we will uh, hear from Glenn Phillips, uh, Grant Elliott, uh, looking at the uh, state of play in the second test between New Zealand and Bangladesh. Bangladesh, of course, leading the series by one match to nil. Uh, Grant Elliott uh, has sent through some notes for us, not only on the state of this test match, uh, his overall observations of the series, and looking further down the line when New Zealand returned for their own uh, test calendar on their own shores in much different conditions. Of course, uh, a key story at the top, if you missed it in our headlines, former uh, New Zealand cricketer Black Cap Lou Vincent uh, says, says he feels fortunate he can return to cricket after a lifetime ban from the game was lifted. The uh, England and Wales Cricket Board banned him for life back in 2014 after he admitted breaching the ECB's anti-corruption rules. I'll repeat uh, what uh, Vincent had to say, say in a statement uh, released by New Zealand Cricket last evening. I made a terrible mistake many years ago, which I deeply regret for the rest of my life, and I remain very sorry for the harm I caused. Being able to return to the cricket environment means uh, the world to me. I feel very fortunate to have that opportunity again. Vincent, now uh, 45 years uh, of age, um, he says he's looking forward to uh, supporting and helping uh, the game at a community level. I would certainly think, and this is my own supposition, this is my own uh, opinion rather, that, that man has paid a heavy price now, isn't, isn't he? I said at the time, I, I, do, not, I do not fundamentally believe uh, in the realm of sports um, at just lifetime bans. I, I, I think uh, for uh, what he did, he needed to serve a significant penalty. I think that has been served, and um, I, I hope he can contribute, um, educate, and help. Um, and, and I think, what, 10 years out of the game is quite a heavy price already. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what transpires from that. Uh, that is uh, clearly a very big story. Um, we mentioned around the cricketing globe. Uh, two action on the field, and there has been no lack of action in this truncated test match between New Zealand and Bangladesh. New Zealand, of course, outplayed in the first test match. Uh, I, I wasn't on last weekend. I have to say, I, I much admired the performance of Bangladesh in that first test match. Uh, my own sort of take, and maybe this is a little bit um, you know, based on perception, but, but I see Bangladesh as one of those sides that has bad sessions in them, that uh, they can do a lot of good work, and then things 
uh, can be undone in the space of a couple of hours when they uh, you know, play some sloppy cricket. I did not see that throughout, and, and credit to them. They, they won that game fair and square and outplayed New Zealand, a historic victory for Bangladesh. So well done to them, winning their first ever Test match against New Zealand and certainly didn't make for a positive start for New Zealand's uh, ICC World Test Championship uh, cycle to begin. Uh, they, though, New Zealand, that is, are in a position uh, to level the series. Uh, Bangladesh, 172-72 all out in their first innings, of course. New Zealand started day number three in a very precarious position at 55 for the loss of five. But one Glenn Phillips uh, showed how to bat on a, what, Bunsenburner, an absolute sharp turn. In fact, it's not a, Bunsenburner gives me sort of, uh, ideas of keeping low, certainly balls were keeping low, but there was plenty of bounce too, sharp turn, it really was a tricky surface, and his counter-attacking 87 of just 72 balls is quite a brilliant test match innings. Um, probably won't be remembered in years to come, all that fondly, you know, people who go big, score the big hundreds, tend to get the, uh, the headlines uh, in perpetuity, but that 87 of just 72 balls, it's a huge score in the context of this game. His 87, when, when you compare it to the actual team totals, of 172 and 180, it was a, a brilliant effort on a challenging pitch where uh, every ball from the spinners was either turning alarmingly so or some shooting on and uh, keeping incredibly low. And when he wandered in at 46 for the loss of five, uh, I'm sure most New Zealand cricket fans were fearing the worst. Uh, but he has, of course, played some fine hands in T20 cricket. We're still waiting for him to blossom as a bat- batter in the one-day game. But this was a fabulous knock by Glenn Phillips, who's uh, proven uh, more than a handy off-spinner over the last couple of months, firstly at the uh, one-day World Cup and during this series. Uh, he helped New Zealand through to 180 uh, in their first innings, Kyle Jameson chipped in with 20, and Tim Southey was 14. I think he was the last to fall. New Zealand all out for 180. Uh, Islam took two for 15. Mahidi Hassan took three for 53. Left-arm finger spinner uh, Tajul Islam, uh, the key man in that first test, took uh, three for 64 of 16.1 overs. Well, Naeem Hassan, the other wicket-taker, two for 21 off his four overs. So New Zealand had a lead of eight runs at uh, the turn after the completion of uh, the first innings of this uh, test match. And in eight overs through to stumps, uh, Bangladesh reached 38, but they did lose uh, Joy for just two, and uh, Santo their captain for 15. Uh, Mominal Hark, not not out, he's only faced one ball, while uh, Zakir Hassan was 16 not out. 38 for the loss of two, gives them a slender lead of 30. Uh, with eight wickets remaining. AJS Patel and Tim Southey were the wicket-takers for New Zealand. So I'm not sure we can uh, say any side is in the ascendancy. It really is a toss-of-a-coin game, um, as far as I can see. And, and who knows uh, how what the weather and conditions are going to play like, whether it's rain, gloomy conditions. It was bad light, wasn't it? Um, gloomy conditions in Dakar forced a late start. Uh, to yesterday's play, two and a half hours later than the schedule, and uh, play then was uh, called off early as conditions unsuitable, even though the uh, slow bowlers uh, were operating at both ends. A brilliant performance from one Glenn Phillips, it has to be said. Uh, here is his reflection on 
his own performance, the state of the game, and what might be a suitable run chase for New Zealand. I think it played very similar to the way it did on day one. Um, bit of spin, bit of skid, um, and it definitely made for some tough work. And obviously there's a lot of risk involved in obviously the way that both teams have batted, um, understanding that if you're only going to be out there for so and so many balls and there's one with your name on it, you've got to score off the ones that are available. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a good challenge. I guess for me it was just trying to play with my bat as much as possible um, and picking my poison effectively, um, understanding that they're going to bowl really good balls and what do I want to have in my court to be able to counteract those balls. Um, and I guess just trying to stick to my game plan as clear as possible um, and you know, accepting the fact that the pitch is going to have a little bit of a little bit of turn and bounce at some stages, and not getting too caught up in that, um, and just trying to stay calm and as clear as possible. Obviously, we had a bit of a tough start um, in our first innings, and um, a couple of great catches from the, the Bangladesh boys, which put us on the back foot quite quickly. And um, I think if the pitch doesn't change which I think with the time it's, it's had undercover, it'll be pretty similar throughout the whole game. Um, and I'd probably say anywhere around the, that 180-200 mark is going to be a good score and tough to chase. Not, not um, impossible to do, but obviously it's going to take some work um, and we're going to have to stick to our game plans really well. But any, if we can keep them to anything under 200, we'll be really happy. It's the verdict of Glenn Phillips on his own efforts and the state of the game. Uh, he was the ninth wicket to fall with the score at 180, gone for 87, and fair to say he might regret it. At the last second when um, Shelfer got into his delivery stride, someone walked out from the side of the side screen, and um, oh, I mean, I should have pulled away, but at, it was also like in my head, it's probably a bit too late, and then I didn't watch the ball, and I didn't pull away, and I didn't either, and I nicked it off. Very frustrating uh, for him, but nonetheless, that's, uh, I'll repeat, in the context of this game, that's well over 100 in a normal test match. 87, brilliant knock uh, by Glenn Phillips, who, uh, of course, uh, picked up three for 31 with the ball in the first innings, alongside Mitchell Sander, the best performed of the New Zealand bowlers as far as uh, taking wickets. So that game is very interestingly poised, heading into um, next day's play, which is due to start at 4.30 this afternoon. This is our cricketing segment, swinging both ways here on SENZ uh, with Rosine for expert paint and colour advice. Grant Elliott, of course, generally co-host of the show, is in Bangladesh uh, providing uh, commentary for the local broadcaster. Uh, He sent through some lovely, sorry, some notes for us, some notes. Firstly on... Uh, the state of this test match. Hello, Daniel Snake McCarty and Finian. How are you, lads? Yes, I'm in the dish. I am in Bangladesh, and it feels like I've been here for a very long time. But uh, you know what? The rain fell, and wickets have fallen even harder in this test match. Uh, unbelievable test match so far, and that's because the wicket is just, it's so, so difficult. I spoke to Glenn Phillips later on tonight and he has played exceptionally well uh, to get 80 odd. Um, And the thing about Glenn Phillips that I spoke to him about was risk. And test cricket is all about restricting your risk when you play. 
however this wicket, there's always going to be an element of risk. And I think he showed the way that you need to play on this wicket, which is aggressively. He said, I got six half volleys and I hit six of them for six. So to be aggressive is the way to score runs and score runs quickly and push this game ahead. And that's exactly what New Zealand did. Glenn Phillips, uh, outstanding. His game plan was sound. Uh, there was a, a lot of risk in the way he played, but the only alternative is to just sit there and wait to get a good one. This uh, turn and bounce, and um, it, it's a vicious bounce as well. Uh, we saw from Saudi later on in the day. So Bangladesh, only 30 ahead. Um, I think we can knock them over in this uh, in this first session tomorrow. So, yeah, I don't want to, uh, you know, be overly positive here. Well, they need it, Grant, because I, I don't think the New Zealand fan base is going to accept a 2-0 series loss to Bangladesh. Uh, in fact, I don't think they're going to accept a one-all series draw, such as the nature um, of the history. You know, Bangladesh have not had a whole heap of success against our marquee nations. And I, I like to think we consider ourselves a, a marquee nation for sure. That's our Grant's uh, thoughts on this test match and where it's currently positioned. What about the series overall? When I look at this series as a whole, we started in Salet. I think we were outplayed by Bangladesh. And it, it feels difficult to say that because we should always be better than Bangladesh. But Bangladesh in their own conditions are a heck of a team. What Bangladesh showed in the first test was that they can string partnerships together. Not only partnerships with batting with Shanto and uh, Mushfik, um, they batted, uh, well, they outbatted us, but it was their bowling in particular. They bowled in partnerships, just relentless line and length. Um, they're always at you. They're bowling maidens. It's very difficult for you to, to score unless you're looking to sweep, come down the wicket, be a little bit more aggressive. And I think that the New Zealanders learned from the first test where we, um, we obviously lost that one. They've come out and they've been a lot more aggressive um, in their decision-making and shot-making. It doesn't reflect in the score, but in, in Mirpur or Dhaka, because it's a low-scoring game, low-scoring wicket. But I think that the players, I'm going to be very interested to see how we, uh, we look to approach the second innings when it is our time. Uh, standouts for me, um, Ajaz Patel has improved in the second test. Daryl Mitchell continues to just show his class. The Kane Williamson 100, well, I mean, you know, what he's been through, that was a very special 100. Coming back from cruciate ligament, um, you know, broken thumb, he's been in and out during the World Cup. And to just show how he just, he bats time in very trying conditions, uh, very pleasing. And uh, I must say, Kyle Jamieson impressed me in the first test. I think he might have a slight calf niggle in the second test. But the way that he ran in on a wicket that wasn't offering him much, him and Southey probably laid the foundation in the first test. And well, Southey, he just keeps um, keeps on, you know, trucking as, as one of our, our all-time greatest players. He puts a lot of heart into it. And... Um, yeah, I've I've been really proud to watch the team and how they've progressed in, um, through things and in trying conditions. Trying conditions uh, for sure. Now, one-off test match losses to uh, Bangladesh can happen, right? 
And, and I think uh, you need to acknowledge that. I, I think you're a little bit of a snob if you think they're incapable. They have beaten Australia before in Bangladesh, right? But it's how you respond. Australia bounced back immediately and won the next test. Uh, by no means it's a certainty New Zealand's going to do it in this test match because it is so evenly poised, uh, for sure. Um, as someone writes here, hello, Daniel. Smithy said yesterday as a former New Zealand uh, test cricketer, he was very disappointed in the New Zealand test team. No major test playing nation. West Indies are not the force of yesterday. Have lost a test series to Bangladesh. This is where this current lot are taking New Zealand test cricket. A new fresh coach and selection panel is needed at test level as they will not do any worse than what has currently happened over the past two years, December 2021. And furthermore, we might find some new talent that simply do not get opportunities or use a new talent like Ravindra that cannot break into the old boys club. Thanks uh, from Rob. Rob. And Rob, I don't think you're alone in thinking that and it will be incumbent on the side to perform over the, the closing stages of this test match to take the series back to one all. Um, yeah, a, a test match... Uh, loss in Bangladesh, as I, say, as I say, can happen. It's happened to some good sides. Uh, but a losing a series is a different uh, kettle of fish altogether. Uh, Grant also sent us a bit of a note as he looked further forward uh, to test matches back on f- in friendlier conditions, you might say, or more, more conditions New Zealand would be suited to back here in New Zealand. Everyone will return and it's been a long... I was speaking to Luke Ronke and he said almost four months away uh, for some of these lads, there, there is a, a little bit of fatigue there when I look at them. Um, but, you know, so many of them will have uh, amazing subcontinent experience. And to be a proper world-class player, you need to play equally well at home as you do away. So these players have come back from India and, and now Bangladesh, which is one of the toughest places to tour. Um, and they will be much better players for it. There's only been two players previously that have been to Bangladesh. That's Williamson and Saudi. So the rest of them, it has been a, a little bit of an eye-opener. As we look towards the home summer, the home summer um, with these players, I think the, the one thing that does change is obviously spin combinations. It'll be interesting to see what we do with our spin, whether we play the four-seam attack or whether we go to to give Ajaz Patel um, a go as our frontline spinner. I do like the idea of of playing a spinner in a way just because it's tough, you know. He he comes to these conditions and we throw him the ball and we say, win us a test. And, um, you know, he hasn't played for, for a year or 18 months. So it'll be interesting to see if we can fit the spinner in. Um, my gut instinct is no. Um, I guess... The, the one option we do have that we could look at is Ratchan Ravindra or, um, you know, Glenn Phillips. So um, those two players, as well as Michael Bracewell, who will be back from injury, kind of might offer that batting sort of all-rounder slot with a bit of spin. Uh, but interesting to see how we go. I think our, our top five is sorted. Um, there was a lot of chat around Nichols, but, you know, Nichols scored a double hundred uh, just two tests ago. So I think it'll be much of the same. And, um, yeah, I think the, the, the big question mark is, you know, Glenn Phillips, Ratchan Ravindra, Michael Bracewell. It's probably our only kind of um, decision that we need to make going forward. Um, it's It's exciting. The team is still exciting. Whether we can get wickets and, you know, Matt Henry's fit, I think the the bowling department maybe looks a little bit 
a little bit tired and we have to freshen them up. I'm not saying that there should be players dropped, but I just think need, uh, New Zealand cricket needs to look at a way that we can keep our bowlers fresh and just keep us um, at the top of our game. First things first, though, this test match, it's going to be an absolutely exciting finish, I think. Miss you guys, miss the sesh, and uh, go Everton. What about that win with the Everton boys? We need to grow that club, McCarty. Please, please grow this Everton club. We can't just stay at 10 people uh, over the past 18 months. That's just not good enough. No, we, we need to keep it at 10. So it's 10 for every, you know, one for every point you got deducted because your your financial um, ineptitude grant. Yeah, great one over Newcastle during the week. Uh, grant Elliott um, making some very salient points. Yeah, Henry Nichols, oh, here's the thing, on the regular. I, I, they'll pick him for the next test, won't they? Because it's back in New Zealand and the guy averages nearly 50 at home. Picking him overseas, where he averages 20, with two scores over 50, and now 19 test matches, that was more of a shocker, surprise to me. I, I thought they'd go with Ravindra. Um, based on what he's done in New Zealand, um, and I'm a, I'm a big fan of Rajan Ravindra. I think he might be on the sidelines. Hope I'm wrong. Hope I'm wrong. Uh, that was Razine's swinging both ways here on the Saturday session. Big thanks to the wonderful team at Razine. Time to paint. Get quality finished with Razine Paints decorating Kiwi home since 1946. Guy Havelt talks the big news in golf. The TVNZ golf reporter talks John Rahm after this break. Let's talk some golf here on the Saturday session, and I can think no better uh, man to talk about this uh, topic because, like John Rahm, uh, he has dominated at Augusta. It's Guy Havelt <laughs> from TVNZ. You and John Rahm, sort of equal, equal sort of wonderful um, uh, feats on the hallowed turf of Augusta, right? That's a, that's a fair description. Yeah, morning, Daniel. Nice to chat to you. Uh, yeah, po- possibly uh, not equal pay, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> not not quite the ni- not quite the nine hundred million that uh, that John is getting. Uh, what a story, though. What a move. What a, what a, what a movement for, news, for, for for the golfing world. I don't think we really know exactly how much it is. On with you. I've I've read those reports of up to nine hundred million. That's New Zealand pesos. I've, I've heard three hundred million US. I don't know. All I know, it is staggering cash absolutely staggering amount of money makes our uh, heads spin how big a deal though if, if we can sort of take the money and put it to one side how big a story is this in the world of golf put it in context I for think, the layman yeah i think there are a few layers to this now now first of all um it's obviously uh, big for live uh, you've got the world number three, and you've also got the reigning Masters champion uh, defecting to, I would say, in my opinion anyway, what, what is a, a lesser tour and, and one that is still far behind the PGA Tour. Um, it is obviously an enormous blow for the PGA Tour, though, to lose a player of, of that caliber when you've already lost Dustin Johnson, Brooks Koepka, um, Phil Mickelson, if you want to throw him in there, Cameron Smith, and the list goes on. Where I think it is an even bigger blow, though, is overall for the game of golf. And where I'm coming from from that is that um, I, I, if I take my own personal situation, and I do feel like there are a lot of people like me in the sense that I don't watch live. I've maybe watched one or two tournaments here or there, but I never watch it on a regular, regular basis. I find the product average. I find the broadcast pretty average. I find it difficult to enjoy. In saying that, I have never watched less uh, the, the this amount uh, this this 
little PGA Tour coverage in my life either. I don't find myself turning wow. on the PGA Tour much anymore. Um, I, I don't think, you know, the best, all the best players aren't there anymore. Um, I think the product is, is, is itself a little bit grating um, in the sense that there are so many ads breaks and there's so much, um, you lose so much actual golf because you're getting so many sponsors products and all that sort of stuff. Um, I just think golf is in a terrible spot right now, and there's a deadline coming up, which I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about. There's a deadline coming up for, for this p- proposed merger between the PIF, which is the backers of Live, and the PGA Tour, and that deadline is the 31st of December. Now, if that doesn't go through, uh, I think the game of golf is in real, real trouble. Is this all about money, you think? Because the guy's not badly paid. I think he had the second highest single-season paycheck in PGA Tour history in 2023, about 28, 29 million New Zealand dollars. Um, he's he's a big deal off course, too, with his endorsement. Is this solely about dollars and cents? It's honestly so hard to know because yeah. he has he has said previously that that money doesn't mean anything to him or not anything to him, but that he's already earning enough money when he was on the PGA Tour that, that another three or four hundred million dollars wasn't going to make any difference to his lifestyle. But then he also said that he didn't like the live format, he didn't like uh, no cut, he didn't like shotgun starts, he didn't like three rounds. He pretty much lambasted the state of live and said that he wouldn't go and play there because he didn't like the format. And then on top of that, he's also saying that he wants to leave a legacy for Spanish golf like Seve Ballesteros did. And I'm sorry, but you're not, dear old John, you're not going to leave much of a legacy for Spanish golf by going to live. I don't know how he thinks that's going to happen. So I really cannot understand... Um, or I, I, I can't tell you what his reasoning is. And I keep coming back to money. I mean, $900 million New Zealand dollars is a ton of money. And, mate, you, you could, anyone could give me $900 million and I'd probably go and do the job. Like, that, that, is, that is just an absurd amount of money that changes your life dramatically, even if you are a golfer who's already earning $100 million, you know. Um, so I, I, I think it is money. Um, as I say, I, I don't think there's really any attractive element of live that would that would truly entice a golfer of his caliber who was winning week in, week out on the PGA Tour uh, to jump ship and, and go and play over there. And he's already said so. So I don't see why things would have changed in a pair of months in that regard. The, this guy moves the needle, though. How's this? I'm not sure if you picked up on this. The BBC reporting that Rory McIlroy has uh, performed a U-turn over his stance on Live Golfers playing in the Ryder Cup following John Rahm's uh, decision to defect. Um, and McElroy now adamant that uh, the Spanish plays at Bethpage in New York in 2025. Yeah, I did see those quotes, and I thought that was very interesting. Uh, Rory has been, ever since Live has become a thing, Rory has been so, so adamant on the fact that anyone who jumps sh- shouldn't be playing in the Ryder Cup. And now um, one of the best players who's been on the PGA Tour for the past few years jumps and it says that it's all good. Uh, I find that a, a little bit contradictory from Rory. Uh, I, I do feel sorry for Rory, though. Rory has stuck his neck out consistently. Yes. He's been about the only one on the PGA Tour who has every single quote, stuck his neck out, protected the tour, tried to do whatever he can to be against Liv. 
um, and has pretty much been shot in the face for it by his own employer, employers. Um, he's now he doesn't want to be on the policy board anymore. He was the leader of that. He's just had enough, and he cops grief whatever he does. So I actually feel quite sorry for Rory, whether you agree with him or not. He has done what he feels has been in the best interest of golf, and and if anything, it's blown up completely in his face. Let's get you out on this, the deadline that you mentioned earlier and the significance mm. of it and all the ramifications one way or the other. Try and tie, tie, wrap that up in a bow for us. Yeah, look, I, I, I think this has to happen, as I said, to, to save golf, but I don't think it will happen. And I think this John Rahm move is desperation or, or the big play from Liv to they know they... I don't, I, I don't have any oil on this, but this is just my gut feeling. They yeah, know yeah. that this deadline isn't going to be met and the merger isn't going to go ahead. And they needed a massive signing. They needed the biggest name they could possibly get. They knew they weren't going to go get Rory. They know that Scotty Scheffler probably isn't going to move the needle as much as someone that John, like John Ryan does. So this is their massive play, knowing that this merger isn't going to go ahead that um, a player like Ram can can give them that boost and then can potentially also coax some other big-name players to come on over. So that's my gut feeling of the whole thing, that this 31st of December deadline will roll around. There won't be a merger. I personally feel golf will be in a worse place, but Liv will probably feel like they have the upper hand on the PGA Tour. Guy, thanks for the time and the knowledge. Go enjoy your day. Appreciate it. Pleasure, mate. Anytime. Nice to chat to you. It is six and a half minutes away from 12 o'clock, coming up towards the top of the hour. In the following hour in this truncated show, uh, Simon Hill to talk the A-League, the Wellington Phoenix top of the A-League. Not that you would have got much reporting over the weekend of that. Here here we go. Here's a a little bit of a Wellington dig. There was was such a big deal, uh, Finn, made of uh, an Auckland franchise uh, appointing a, a, a director of football over the weekend. Can you name the director of football of Man City? Can you name the director of football of Liverpool? Barcelona? Bayern Munich? No. Yeah. But I couldn't find it. I couldn't even find a match report uh, after Phoenix went to the top of the league. Where's my violin music? Where's my violin music? Yeah. 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 Shots fired, right? We're going to be loyal and territorial now, Finn. They're all biased Auckland media, eh? Hey, important news. We've got White Fern's commentary. The great Anna Corbin has arrived, not looking in any way uh, dusty from her Christmas party today. She looks immaculate. But I'm not giving her a microphone to retort right now. She can slap me across the ears. Uh, huge news out of the White Ferns. The captain, Sophie Devine, will miss today's third live direct T20 international against Pakistan in Queenstown after receiving a cortisone injection in her knee. That doesn't sound good. Devine's been managing pain in her right knee during the opening two games of the series and a decision was made to undergo the medical procedure with a view to her playing a full part in the three-game Deluxe One Day International Series, which starts Tuesday in Queenstown. Uh, this is um, official release from the White Ferns. I'm not just making this up. Uh, head coach uh, Ben Sua confirmed 23-year-old Mealy Kerr would captain the White Ferns for the very first time. Uh, she, of course, has earned 131 international caps since her debut, debut back in 2016 and has captained the Wellington Blaze in the Dream 11 Super Smash. So that is news out of the White Ferns camp. Our coverage starts at 12.30, first ball at 1 o'clock. So Sophie Devine to miss the third um, 
T20 International against Pakistan uh, to receive a cortisone ejection in her knee. Coming up in the final hour of the show, we will catch up with Simon Hill, the voice of football in Australia, Fox Sports commentator. A couple of games in the A-League last night. We'll look ahead to the Wellington Phoenix men who are in action later tonight. Stay with us back after the short break with the latest in headlines. Into the afternoon we go. It is 12 o'clock. Great to have your company. My name is Daniel McCarty. Huckleberry's with me. Finn, I'm being a weird sports fan today. You know I'm a big baseball fan. You know I'm a big Toronto Blue Jays fan. Um, and you have heard me gush over the wonderful uh, Shohei Atani, uh, the uh, unicorn of sport, who is um, like Kane Williamson and Trent Bolt. Combine them, and th- that's an all-rounder of like ridiculous standards, right? Yes. You take that. You yes, take yes, yes. someone who can bat like Kane and bowl like Trent what this guy can do. Mm-hmm. Um, Rumours suggest he might be signing with the Toronto Blue Jays. I did see that this morning. Um, and the world's gone crazy. Uh, the world is tracking a flight from Anaheim to Toronto. It's a private jet. And no one knows who was on this plane. It could be empty. It could just be a wealthy businessman going for a trip to, to the, the wonderful metropolis. But uh, people are collectively losing their mind. that It's uh, Shohei Otani's um, plane. Um, also, also, there's a story that um, Yusuke Kikuchi, who is also a Japanese uh, baseball player who currently plays for the Toronto Blue Jays, has uh, booked out a, a, a rooftop restaurant for 50 people in Toronto. Um, this story came via an interesting news source. How's this? A well-known opera singer. <laughs> what does that this even wor- mean? What does that even I know, mean? Mate. This is the world we live in. This is the world we live in. They've got you know, the inside well, a scoop. A well-known <laughs> opera, an opera singer is breaking baseball news. Well, potentially. What does this world oh, become? Dear. What it, does it it's become? It's the hope that kills you, mate. <laughs> it's the hope that kills you. Um, and after all of us have uh, slaved away um, at, at uh, work this week, um, be, be very happy in the knowledge that this guy could um, land a 500 million US dollar contract, which is close to a billion dollars, to throw a ball and hit a ball, eh? Yeah. He's very yeah. good at it, though. Get, get, get your kids off the, the, the game consoles. Get them out. Get them out running around and throwing things. They, too, could be billionaires one day. There you go. There's, there, there's my story. Should we get to actual news? Not, you know, potential news broken by a well-known opera singer? Yeah? We'll, we'll get to actual news, shall we? Hey, White Ferns captain Sophie Devine will miss today's uh, 30-20 international against Pakistan and Queenstown. She's received a cortisone injection in her knee. This has been confirmed by the White Ferns. Uh, she's been managing pain in her knee during the opening two games of the series, and the decision has been made to undergo the procedure now with her uh, playing a full part in the three one-day international series, which starts on Tuesday in Queenstown and will be heard right here on SCNZ. Uh, head coach Ben Sawyer confirmed 23-year-old Millie Kerr will captain the White Ferns for the very first time. Uh, and other cricketing news, former New Zealand cricketer Lou Vincent's had his lifetime ban for match-fixing relaxed by the English Cricket Board, which will allow him to be involved in domestic cricket. The ECB's uh, Cricket Disciplinary Commission, that's a mouthful, announced last night the decision to relax the ban. The governing body said the outcome was reached after considering the circumstances of his case uh, with his full and frank admissions and disclosures and his total cooperation 
uh, with authorities. Um, and lastly, as far as cricket's concerned, Bangladesh will resume at 38 for the loss of two in their second innings later today when uh, the second test against the Black Caps resumes. 4.30 is the scheduled start time, I do believe. Uh, Bangladesh lead by just 30 runs. Mm, this will go down well, I'm sure, in many quarters. Tackling above the armpit will be outlawed at all levels of rugby league in England from 2025 to reduce the risk of head contact. Oh, yes, cue people going, oh, wowzers, well, the game's gone. Before actually seeing if it actually makes any impact. Uh, the change will come into effect at grassroots academy and reserve levels from 2024 and then elite rugby league the year after. So Super League 2025, under the armpit, under the armpit. So, you know, where they're allowed to tackle now, go down a few inches. Just a few inches. That's, I'm pretty sure you all know where your armpit is, right? So under there. It was one of 44 recommendations accepted by the uh, Rugby Football League, the RFL, to make the game safer at all levels. The recommendations accepted by the RFL's independent board were made by the Sports Brain Health and Clinical Advisory Group subcommittees. Uh, and Russian and Belarusian who qualify in their sport for the Paris 2024 Olympic Games can take part as neutrals without flags, emblems or anthems at the event next year, the International Olympic Committee has confirmed. Russians and Belarusians had initially been banned from competing internationally following Russia's invasion of Ukraine last year, for which Belarus has been used as a staging ground. Those are your latest in sports headlines to six minutes after 12 o'clock. The voice of Australian football, Mr Simon Hill, is to join us after the game, host of the Global Game here on the SNZ Network. Uh, he will reflect on a couple of games in the A-League last night and look ahead to the Wellington Phoenix, looking to stay top of the A-League ladder. Stay with us. Ten minutes after 12 o'clock, this is SENZ. Coming up in about 20 minutes' time, our coverage will start of the third T20 International between New Zealand and Pakistan. The Women's Series concludes in Queenstown today before it uh, moves to a one-day series starting on a Tuesday. Also in Queenstown, uh, full coverage right here on SENZ. Uh, Anna Corbin, uh, the former white firm, will join me in commentary. Right now, though, we talk the A-League and the men's uh, side of it uh, specifically, and we are delighted to welcome uh, back to the show and uh, leading figure in the Australian football community. It is the fine, the uh, dulcet tone, the sultry-voiced Mr. Simon Hill who joins us. Simon, how you doing, friend? It's been too long. Well, that was quite, that was quite the intro, Daniel. Thanks very much for that, mate. <laughs> you know you know me and blowing tyres? Very good at that. Very good at that. Do you, do you know what I enjoyed last night? The two grand finalists from last year sort of, sort of showing their true selves in some way. Is that how you viewed those games? Well, uh, I'm sure John Aloisi would hope that it's not Western United's true self. Yeah. Because they were yeah. awful last night. But, they are. yeah, I mean, the Mariners were very good. Very good. Um, you know, particularly in that first half. The second half, I, I think, it. you know, it's normally the case that if you have a team that runs away with it in one half of football, the second half's normally a bit of a damn square. But, unfortunately, that was the way uh, last night, which didn't make it a particularly good viewing for the neutral uh, second 45. But, I mean, the first half, they were at it, the Mariners. Um, and Western United just could not defend set pieces. And that's a pretty basic, fundamental part of the game. Um, so if they don't get that sorted out, and 
Yeah, Johnny was, uh, who of course is a very beloved figure in this neck of the woods for you know his, his playing career, uh, but he, he's he's got to be under the pump a little bit. And uh, he, he said immediately afterwards, you know, that that was simply unacceptable. Uh, we, we can't play at that level again. But unfortunately, they keep doing it. That's uh, six losses on the spin. Yeah, started with a win, you're right, and then six on the bounce. And you're so right, it was sort of, you know, amateurist-type defending from set plays, which is something you should be able to get uh, down pat or, or get to a reasonable standard anyway. But, gee, they are they are toothless up front, aren't they? Three goals in seven games is equally alarming. Yep. They've got issues at both ends of the pitch, to be honest. And... Uh... Again, you look at their roster and you, you think, well, that shouldn't really be the case. There's certainly some quality there. Uh, you know, Noah Bothic, a striker who is very highly thought of. Lockie Wales has scored goals at A-League level before. Daniel Pena, who, of course, was the assist king for Newcastle when he was last in the A-League. Uh, Riku Danzaki has scored goals back in the day. But for whatever reason, it's just not gelling and we did make the point, and maybe the system is, I'm not saying it's the entire reason, but when you play, they out in wider areas, it's more difficult for them to game. Um, but, you know, maybe that's because of a paucity of, of holding midfielders. You, you can make a you know, case for three or four different reasons as to why they're at the bottom, but, uh, yeah, something Tell you what, Simon, we've got a terrible line. We might try and call you back to hopefully we can reconnect. Uh, keen to get your thoughts on Melbourne City's victory over Perth Glory. Uh, Matthew Leckie was back for Melbourne City, and I do wonder if that, um, as simple as that, that, the quality he brings after being uh, sidelined for most, if not all, of the games this season. And also get Simon's thoughts on the Wellington Phoenix, who take on the Newcastle Jets. That game is at 7.30 tonight. Uh, the Wellington Phoenix currently uh, top of the ladder on 14 points with four wins from six games. Defensively, very, very good. You, you talk about Western United. We talk about Western United struggling with 16 goals conceded in seven. The Phoenix have conceded just up four goals. Uh, so uh, all going well. We uh, can um, get a connection with Simon. Simon Hill, of course, uh, leading television uh, football commentator in Australia and uh, was on the mic last night. As we have seen two go- two games, um, Central Coast Mariners uh, running out really three goals. Um, they're out of sight, as Simon hinted at uh, before half time. Three goals up, they added a fourth, um, not garbage time. Eighty second minute made it four goals to nil against our Western United, who are really battling. While Melbourne City uh, overcame uh, Perth Glory, uh, Aslan opened the scoring via the spot after thirty eight minutes. Adam Taggart then equalised. In added time of the first half, but Matthew Leckie's uh, 66-minute goal was the deciding factor in that game. The remaining games, the remaining games, uh, up next, Wellington Phoenix against Newcastle Jets, then Sydney take on MacArthur, Adelaide United take on Brisbane Raw, and Western Sydney Wanderers uh, do battle with that Melbourne victory. How are we looking, Finn? Try it. I think we're going to... Try a different line. Sounded like he was underwater. Yeah, we do apologise about this. It's been one of those days, hasn't it, Finn? It's been one of those days. Uh, Simon's a big uh, Manchester City fan. I was I was quite keen to ask him, um, has the Crisis Club 
been shifted from Manchester United to Melbourne uh, Manchester City. Um, hopefully we can get uh, Simon Hill back on the line 16 minutes after 12 o'clock. A reminder, coming up later this afternoon, a full commentary of the third uh, T20 international between New Zealand and Pakistan. The big news out of Queenstown, no Sophie Devine, the New Zealand captain, uh, will sit this one out. She's going to receive a cortisone injection in her knee. Uh, she's been managing some pain. This is according to the White Ferns, uh, who've uh, released this um, maybe about half an hour ago. Um, and... The idea is take today off and she will be available uh, from Tuesday onwards. Let's get back to Simon Hill. Uh, take two. Uh, we can hear you this time. Uh, the Phoenix, What? Let, let's get to them. They take on the Jets next, uh, later tonight. What stood out from your perspective when you gleaned the Phoenix so far this season? Organisation, really, uh, Daniel. They've uh, been very defensively. Uh, they haven't scored a lot of goals, but I think... You know, the game against Melbourne Victory sort of, uh, for me, they didn't have a single shot on target in the entire 90 minutes. But they didn't have a shot away with, uh, with a point. So, uh, it's uh, Chiefy, Giancarlo Italiano has got them very well organised. Uh, you know, an experienced head of the back there, who uh, we spoke to on the global game last week. And, uh, you know, he was... Packed full of stars. He's not made an awful lot of signings during the offseason. He's doing best with what he's got at the moment. Now it's still a obviously, you know, there's no guarantee that they're going to win silverware. Um, although it'd be amazing if they do. Uh, I think they're still the only club now left that uh, that hasn't won a major trophy. Uh, but the signs are good, and you know, I, th- I think it'll be too good for Wellington again. There's all there in New Zealand. Yeah, Paulson and goals has been brilliant. But uh, Scott Wooten, I think, probably underappreciated this season. You know, when you hold a marquee position, sorry, uh, an overseas slot, you, you want a lot mm. from them. I, I, think he's, I think he's been excellent this season. We maybe was, you know, below that standard in the past couple of campaigns. You think that's sort of a fair assessment on the English defender? Hello? Oh, I... I think the line is completely given out. We might have to park that there, which is a real shame, unfortunately. Um, please uh, send our uh, thanks uh, to Simon Hill. Um, but unfortunately, the, the telephone connection in Australia is not all that pretty. Um, well, this is going to make an interesting five, uh, seven or eight minutes. What are we going to talk about, Finn? Uh, we'll, um, we'll send Simon on his way with a big thanks. Um, so uh, our apologies there. It's the joy of live live radio, isn't it? So the Wellington Phoenix in action tonight, 7.30. As far as the women, they play tomorrow now, don't they? Uh, four o'clock is their game. They are taking on Melbourne Victory. I think their game's out in Porirua, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, as far as uh, the scenario in that competition, will the uh, Wellington find themselves in third position, sitting just above Melbourne Victory. So it's a, a really enticing game. A battle of, uh, of third v fourth. Uh, the Phoenix women with four wins from their six games. Of course, uh, they've uh, just come back from, or they haven't, uh, a number of their players have, uh, from international duty. So the A-League women's competition uh, resumes after that international break. Uh, uh, the Wellington Phoenix have had a tough few weeks as far as losing personnel. There was the Chloe Knott scenario. She uh, walked away from 
uh, the club, professional football uh, in the interim. I'm not sure what her plan is uh, longer term. I wish her well. She's been a really key contributor. Um, but then uh, Rissa van der Meer suffering uh, anterior cruciate ligament injury, an ACL injury. She's out for the season. Uh, that injury occurring whilst away with the football ferns, another devastating blow because Grace Wisniewski, of course, suffered a similar injury just a few weeks ago. So in the space of uh, a few weeks, they've lost three really important players uh, in and around that starting 11. You know, Chloe Knott hasn't started every game, but has uh, featured off the bench quite prominently. So they will uh, test their depth in the weeks to come, it would seem. And generally, uh, you'd expect a tough assignment when you take on Melbourne victory. So that's the uh, the women's game uh, from 4 o'clock tomorrow while the men take on the Newcastle Jets. Uh, the Newcastle Jets, uh, for the record, just one win so far this season. Um, they've been sort of entertaining, the Jets. They've uh, found a way to score goals but concede at a, a pretty good uh, rate. So uh, we might be in for another sort of uh, high-scoring encounter um, if their form holds firm, they've lost their last couple of games, but nine goals and six and have conceded 14 from six. Uh, the Wellington Phoenix are looking to maintain their position at the top of the ladder. Um, one of, still four sides are unbeaten. Four teams are unbeaten. The Wellington Phoenix have picked up four wins from six. It looks a very even competition uh, to me. I, I don't see an outstanding side just yet. Uh, the one that I could see rise quite quickly, as I hinted at with Matthew Leckie returning for Melbourne City, um, you add him back into the equation, you'd expect their uh, sort of fortunes to turn around. Of course, Melbourne City were victims at uh, the hands of Alex Paulson and the Wellington Phoenix, uh, the last time the Phoenix played at Mount Smart. It is now 21 minutes after 12 o'clock, and as far as the EPL, which of course here on SCNZ, I'm sure we've got some games uh, over the weekend, so I don't have the broadcast guide in front of me, but I am panning here because the phones have completely melted down. Crystal Palace take on Liverpool at 1.30 tomorrow morning uh, before Wolves take on Nottingham Forest. Brighton take on Burnley. Sheffield United uh, take on Brentford. Uh, those are the games tomorrow. The first one at uh, 1.30. Then uh, the other three games will start at 4 a.m. Uh, then into Monday morning, you're looking at uh, Luton up against Man City. Now, Luton at home at Kenilworth Road have pushed the likes of Liverpool and Arsenal to the very bitter end, including Arsenal scoring in the 97th minute, I think it was, to secure a 4-3 victory uh, in, the, in midweek. Well, Liverpool also, I think, scored in uh, stoppage time to uh, secure a draw. Don't tell me they're going to do it to Man City. Man City, of course, I think have Rodri back. Uh, he was missing mid- midweek as they went down to Aston Villa, who really are one of the pleasant stories of the season, Aston Villa. And Aston Villa also in action. Uh, I was mistaken, it's not Monday morning, it's tomorrow morning. The last game tomorrow is uh, Aston Villa and Arsenal. What an epic battle that could possibly be. Uh, Aston Villa, I think, have won 15 games on the bounce at home. That That is just brilliant, isn't it? Uh, but Arsenal, um, you know, all the metrics tell uh, a story. They're the, most def- the best defensive side in the competition. Uh, most of the goals they've conceded <laughs> seemingly have come from individual errors. You eliminate those, they're going to be very hard to beat this year, Arsenal. uh, They were very adventurous, um, entertaining last season. They still have a lot of quality, but um, sort of have tightened things up quite nicely at the back. So Arsenal to take on Aston Villa at 6.30. Luton Man City is on Monday morning with Fulham to take on West Ham. Everton to play Chelsea and Spurs up against Newcastle. Ange Postacoglu's uh, side have lost four of the last five games, while 
Uh, Newcastle have been a little bit up and down. Uh, great performance against Manchester United uh, last weekend. Can't believe they only won that game by one goal to nil, but then they were beaten by Grant Elliott's Everton. Finn by three goals to nil, um, a- allowing Grant Elliott to drop some uh, Everton propaganda in his cricketing cross with us a little bit earlier on swinging both ways. Um, do you think he's pulled out his Everton shirt and wandering around the streets of Dakar and, uh, and elsewhere in, in Bangladesh over there? I hope not. Just for the sake of everyone else walking on the streets, I hope he hasn't. What, you just want him topless? Just not wearing an Everton shirt, just anything other than an Everton shirt. No, no, brilliant. All right, uh, well, that's our look at uh, football. Again, we do apologise for the technical issues there uh, with Simon Hill's phone. Um, a real shame. I was uh, really keen to, to dig a little bit deeper on uh, some of the issues in the A-League, um, including the rise of the Wellington Phoenix men, and also wind him up about Man City, um, the great dynasties, you know, crumbling in front of his eyes. I say that in jest. When, you, when Kevin De Bruyne comes back, things get... Things will improve, I'm sure. I, I think you're right, um, Manchester, Manchester City's obituary, your own sort of peril. They still are only six points off and have a history of going on incredible streaks of winning 12, 13, 14, 15 games in a row. Uh, and they are capable of things um, no other team is. But it is a fantastically positioned EPL as it currently stands. And it looks like we're going to have a wild title race. I just hope Aston Villa can stay in it. They've been so enterprising at home if they can figure their away form. Boy, wouldn't it be great if there was a, a four-team race to the bitter end and of course SENZ. Be along for the ride with uh, a number of EPL commentaries coming your way. Speaking of commentaries, international cricket will be the feature up after this break. Stay with us. 30-20 from Queenstown.